<laughs> Hello, kitties. It's your old pal, John Cusier, the voice of the Crypt Keeper. And tonight, I'd like to introduce all of you creeps to the Crypt Keeper's podcast, hosted by Spooky Bruce and Horror Ryan. But be careful what you ask for. You may get it. <laughs> Hello, boils, ghouls, and non-binary fiends. This is the Crypt Keepers. I'm Spooky Bruce. And I'm Horror Ryan. This is a podcast where we examine the HBO horror anthology series Tales from the Crypt and the comics that inspired it. Except for today, we're doing something a little different. A little bit. This time, we're taking a deep dive into the story, Hate, from Shock Suspense Stories number 5, and how elements may apply in our own lives. So I have a question for you. Yo. This is a loaded question, and you should already know where it's going. Let's do it. You ever had a bad neighbor? (sighs) Now I do. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> we uh, we had to take a emotional break <laughs> from the previous podcast that we recorded. Yeah, so we were we record two at a time. Yes. Oh, oh, I didn't make my joke that I make every single time, and I have, even though it's tired, and I haven't, but I haven't got tired of it yet. It's been a long time. Hey. Oh, it has. Yes. Oh, how are you? <laughs> we. Uh, I will we, do this every other episode. Please. I'll do eternity. We uh, we went upstairs after we finished recording the previous episode, and we had a beer. We had a beer, watched a little hockey. Watched a little hockey, and uh, now Talk. we're back down here. I'm yeah. almost done with my beer. I think Bruce already finished yeah, his. Yeah, I, I ch- Well, uh, you have that acorn tree. Yes. That is dropping acorns right now, and one hit near us on a piece of I told tin. You, I told you it sounds like a shotgun. It sounds like a shotgun going off, and I jumped out of my skin, yeah. ran back inside, chugged that beer down. He did. We were just sitting outside. We're like, man, I really think that was a good episode. Boom! <laughs> he goes, ah! <laughs> and he and, went, all right, I'm ready to record. It was, and you got me earlier, too, because you have a standee of Jason Voorhees in your living room. Yes, that was a birthday gift from my lovely girlfriend, Natalie. And Shout I out to wa- Natalie. <laughs> and I walked in for, out from the bathroom and saw it. It scared the shit out of me. So she's, It's a good thing I peed because I would have pissed myself again. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is when we first moved in, she was like, well, you can put that wherever you want. Yeah. And I didn't intend this to happen, but I put it in the perfect spot where <laughs> the next morning she made a cup of coffee and she closed the microwave door and she saw the reflection of Jason in the glass of the microwave (laughs) and she lost her fucking mind. So now I'm thinking I'm just going to put this life-size Jason cardboard cutout just randomly in the house. (laughs) It's going to be great. I think the worst place would be this basement we're in right now. Okay, listen, I'm going to speak, I'm going to speak softly Uh so she doesn't hear. Yeah. Give me $5. I will put it in the shower oh and close yeah. the curtain yeah <laughs> i think where it needs to go is in that weird huge bathroom you have right beside us i oh. call it the i call it the weird huge bathroom because it's an open room where your like dryer and washing machine are right but there's also a toilet in the middle of the room a working toilet just in the middle of the room no walls no sink just a toilet hooked up to the water just Right there in the middle of the room. I've joked that that was my toilet. That I want to be the one using it, but 
now that it's a reality, like I, went, <laughs> I went upstairs. What's funny is I think if we have a housewarming party, I have this joke going on where mm. we're partying and yeah. everybody be like, hey, where's Bruce? Wait, where's Bruce? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, oh, God. And I just imagine you down here taking a shit, but like, I love you, Ryan. <laughs> speaking of which, yes. speaking of which, yeah, that brought up an interesting point. Mm-hmm. Last episode that we recorded, I said that I would get permission to say a story. Oh, yes. Yes. The last story that we covered and this story mm-hmm. are really heavy. Yeah. So we need to lighten the mood. Yeah, please lighten the mood. Here is an appetizer. And I got permission. Mm hmm. Tell this story. This is the moment that I knew <laughs> Natalie was special. <laughs> so we were dating, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, we were talking, getting to know one another, yeah. and, you know. And uh, one night she called me, and every so often she does those bourbon tours. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're in Kentucky, so bourbon's big here. There are more barrels of bourbon in Kentucky than there are people in Kentucky. Damn. Yeah. Well, every so often she'll go with a couple girlfriends and mm-hmm. go on tours and taste test and all this stuff. And so this, this is very early in the relationship, like maybe first or second date or mm-hmm. after the second date. She texts me and she's like, I'm super drunk. I went on this tour. Can you give me a ride? I'm like, sure. So I go pick her up at her friend's house and we come back to my place mm-hmm. And we're just going to hang out, chill, so she can sober up, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the actual situation, but we basically went back to my place. And she knocks over a water bottle in my kitchen, mm-hmm. completely soaking the floor in my kitchen in my apartment at the time. Apartment. It was like a living room with a counter in it, and then there was the kitchen. Like yes. They're kind of like one big room. Yeah, it was very open. Yeah. Very open. And so I'm like, oh, oh, God. And she's like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. And then, okay, first I'm going to explain what happened. And then I'm going (laughs) to reenact it. As I'm cleaning up the water, Mm -hmm. my TV is on. Mm -hmm. She she is about to pass by my TV to go into the bedroom. And she says... Hey, your TV is still on. But instead of saying the word on, she farted. (laughs) And then she looked at me and said, I think I just farted. (laughs) But instead of saying the word farted, she farted. (laughs) (laughs) So if you will indulge me, she knocks over the water, Uh cleaning it up. She's heading to the bedroom. And she goes, hey, I think your TV is still. I think I just. (laughs) (laughs) And at this point, I am shocked. (laughs) That is, you know what that is? That's true love. If she, if a woman is willing to fart in front of you at any moment in the relationship, you know, you have a secure relationship with her. I don't, I don't, I think you're implying that she had a choice. She was (laughs) drunk. No, 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 no. I think you underestimate women. They, they know. Oh, you think it was a a test? They they will, (laughs) they will hold it in 
at the expense of their lives. They fall in front of you. And so, so she falls to the ground in embarrassment. Like her face is in my carpet in the living room. And I get on, I get, I lay down right next to her on my stomach. Yeah. I put my hands under my chin. My elbows are on the floor and I curl my toes behind me. And I bend my knees and I'm like, what you thinking about? Farting stuff? Mm. That was, that was, uh, that's your meat cute, right? I mean, you've already met, but that's, yeah, that's that was the moment where it was like, this chick, she's yeah, fucking great. I've, I've never had an experience like that. I did, I did have the girl tell me that I, that uh, when we first started dating, the, you know, the first night we spent together, she said she knew I was asleep because I let out the, loud, I let out the loudest fart she'd ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> What's, well, actually, the reason that I wanted to ask to tell that story yeah. is because the last episode, the married couple that had been mm-hmm. together 50 years, yeah, he was embarrassed to poop in front of mm-hmm. her. And all he could say was, I have to sit down. Yeah. And that immediately made me think of the story with <laughs> Natalie. So love you, boo. Thank you so much for everything. Now, now, so yeah. So let's get back to you. Now that you have a horrible neighbor. Yes. Well, so welcome to the neighborhood. Oh God. So do, do we want to go from the top? Yeah, let's go from the top. Just tell us, tell me, tell us the story. Okay. So I've had this, the most. Okay. So we're real quick here. This actually relates to what, we're going to talk about not yes i mean same theme but definitely not not i mean obviously the same context yes yes yeah definitely the whole like neighborly and Mm -hmm. the i won't say names or whatever but the neighborhood that we have moved into Mm -hmm. it's lovely a lot of friends that live in this area we got the goddamn welcome wagon (laughs) and it was a piece of shit right behind our house yeah so what you're hearing is about three weeks of frustration the most anxiety I've ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. Now, Bruce knows me. You know I'm a planner. Mm-hmm. Everything I'm, I believe in order. Everything needs to be laid out and planned ahead of time. <clears throat> so, only backstory that we really need to know is the fact that for my day job, I work from home. I have for the last two years. Internet is very important to me. It's my livelihood. Mm-hmm. So, the house that we were living in, I called the local internet provider and said, Hey, I'm moving in three weeks. I need to get it set with internet because I work from home. I can't have a break in service. Right. Okay. So three weeks before the move, I meet a representative, a tech here in the new house. He sets up the internet line. He had to use a a new cable that goes from the, the side of our house through our backyard and into the backyard of the neighbor behind us. Yeah, because there's a junction box back there. They can't just like hook you up to like a random network of wires. They, right. Everything in the neighborhood comes from a junction box or a series yes. of junctions. So the boxes. junction box is right behind our backyard into our neighbor's backyard. So from what you described uh, to me, that it's on the property line about two feet into the neighbor's yard. Yes. Yes. Which that's a big kicker to me because it's only a foot and a half, two feet into this guy's yard. Behind a chicken coop. Behind a chicken coop. And he cannot see it from he his cannot. Back, back door. No, okay. it does not impede on his life whatsoever. So, so I think I think from what we're saying, people <laughs> already know this is not going anywhere good. <sighs> Jesus fuck. This asshole. And so at this point. I'm thinking, okay, it's three weeks into the move. 
I got it all set up. We're good to go. Three days before the move, because I'm a planner, I have to bring the modem and router to the new house just to make sure. Mm-hmm. I connect it. It doesn't fucking work. So I'm pretty pissed off. I call the company. They can't get a signal mm-hmm. to the house. So it's it's not on their end. They're not getting anything either. Yeah. So as I'm on the phone with the person, I go to the backyard just to look at the cable because it was supposed to be buried. Yeah. But it wasn't buried yet. Now, I'm sure with COVID, you know, well, it, things I, are pushed we, back. We have a friend who used to do this work. And yes. they just lay the line and then someone comes out some other time and buries it. Yeah, it's just it's yeah. two crews. One yeah. crew to set it up, another crew to bury it. So you had basically had this wire laying in your yard across yes. your driveway. Not, uh, well, it no, it, driveway. from the it side was, of the house. Yeah. It comes out of the side of the house. It goes through our backyard and into the backyard of yeah. a neighbor. Basically, their backyard and our backyard mm-hmm. are right next to one another. Mat- they match. Yeah. So I go and I inspect the line and it's been cut. I'm pissed. It's clearly been cut and shoved under a fence to be all on our property. So yeah, clear, it, I mean, it wasn't a mistake. Clearly, the person on the other end of the fence cut the line. Yeah, it wasn't like they accidentally hit with a lawnmower or something. It wasn't like shredded or anything. It was clean it, no, cut. No, it was clean cut. Yeah. And so I'm pissed. I'm freaking out because now, instead of three weeks, I move in three days. Mm-hmm. So thank you again to all the friends, Bruce and Chris, Grace, Jeff. I'm seeing if I'm missing anybody else. Sean. Sean yeah. yeah, Sean. Sorry. Uh, just <laughs> I, everyone, all my all my friends know how stressed I've been the last couple we weeks. So knock that shit out quick. Yes. Yeah, I'm yeah. super grateful. Could not <laughs> have done it. goes like a half hour to take out, half hour to bring back in. Could not have done yeah. it without everybody. Thank you so much. And if I'm missing anybody, I apologize, but it's been crazy. But Can I get, real quick aside. So you got so your buddy <laughs> Jeff helped. Yes. He is a Strong fella. Oh yes. yes, Jeff is the man. He, like, it was shout funny. out to Jeff. Been been with bands with him forever. I've, I've been a drummer since I was fifteen. That, um, Grace is watching him move something. Goes, God, he's strong. And I'm like, I'm strong too. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're outside, and he carries out a safe by himself. I'm like, damn, he is strong. <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> super strong, Jeff. Yeah, super strong. Shout Jeff. out. I was that's his Jeff. nickname, Strong Jeff. Strong Jeff. Anyway, so so. As weak Bruce and weak Ryan talk about <laughs> strong Jeff. So that's a, that's been two of our stories so far is how we are weak and two of our friends are really strong. <laughs> <laughs> but we're funny, damn it. Yes. And so I'm freaking out three days until we move. The move happens. Still no internet. I mean, I've probably spoken to at least 15, 16 people from this unnamed internet company. And so... There is a spectrum of cable companies to pick from in the, our area. Yes. I mean, it, it rhymes with rectum. Yes. Rectum. So, Damn near killed them. <laughs> and so uh, we got everything scheduled again because the line got cut mm-hmm. for someone to show up to repair the line and then a corresponding burial crew to bury it. Just to be a good neighbor because I need internet. Luckily, my boss let me have the day off work. We put Natalie went and actually spoke to him. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he was abrasive and said that he's had issues with people in his yard before. I don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, she 
let him know that we would be repairing the line soon. He said, okay. Later on that day, I got confirmation from the internet provider of the dates in which all this would take place. So as a courteous, as a, uh, to be a courteous neighbor, I made a note or we made a note with the, our phone numbers, the dates and times in which everything will take place. We put it in his mailbox and we thought everything was taken care of. Yeah. Now it's the main event, baby. (laughs) So I think it was the next day. It was. Yeah. Um, luckily I was able to have the day off work and the guy, one guy came spray painted where they were going to bury the line. Then a second guy came and repaired the line. He said that, Hey, I got to go on their property. And I said, Hey, make sure you knock on the door, Mm -hmm. let them know because this guy's already cut the line before, but he knows because Mm -hmm. the guy showed up on time. So the owner knew the date and time in which this guy was going to show yeah. up and he showed up on time. So he goes to his backyard. I, I mean, I wasn't going to be on his property. I have no idea. I think he said he knocked on the door and no one answered. Yeah. yeah. He said that. So basically he repaired the line and he uh, jumped the fence and he went on our side and he was working. I don't know what he had to do. No, the line a quick whatever. aside uh, in our area. I don't know how it is in other areas, but in our area, if you have a utility on your property, such as power lines, a power box, uh, plumbing, plumbing, sewer lines, or a cable junction. Yes, you have to allow workers on your property because to, that's to, not your property. Yes, to work on them. Yes. Yeah. Um, I've spoken to multiple people, mm-hmm. and that's always been even people that have worked that job before. Yeah, they've all told me that that yes. If you have a junction box on your property, it is on your property, but the box is not your property. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the utility company's property. So and nothing coming from that is your property. Yeah, right. Either. Right. So it was at this point that the guy who repaired the line, he let me know because the fence is tall. Mm-hmm. I've never seen this guy's property. He told me, oh, it's only a foot and a half in his property, in which I got pissed. Yeah. Because I thought it went through his property. Maybe that's why he got upset and cut it. No, it was it was behind a chicken coop, but bet- between a chicken coop and a fence. <sighs> Fuck. So I'm still freaking out. Yeah. So he repairs it, and the burial crew was supposed to show up three or four days after, mm-hmm. but he said, "Hey, I'm just letting you know. I just got a call. The burial crew's coming now." And so I'm hyped. Like I'm. Su- I look at Nat, and I'm like, "Fuck yes, yeah, this is gonna be awesome. Problems are solved. This yeah. is great." So he goes to the front of the house to do whatever he needs to do to finish the connection. At the same time, the burial crew shows up. Wonderful people. Wonderful people. They were really nice. And he was like, hey, I'm here to bury the line. I'm like, sweet, awesome, great. Out of nowhere, I see a little fucking hand come from outside the fence. It's the neighbor. Like above the fence. Yes, line. he's yeah. just waving. And he goes, yeah. can you see me? And I said, this is the first thing I told him. I was like, well, I see your hand. <laughs> And so he he basically climbed his side of the fence where his fucking bald ass head poked out. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I need to speak to someone who was on my property. And at this point, I'm like, well, okay. I mean, he's on the other, he's at the front of the house now. Yeah. I will get him. Do you want me to go get him? He goes, yeah, I got to talk to him. Okay. I'm sorry. This, this part's kind of funny. <sighs> and so he's uh, at this point, as I'm walking away. Yeah. The the um the burial crew is starting to bury the internet line, mm-hmm. and I I stop what I'm doing 
because he is yelling at the burial crew. And, I, and I'm completely confused as to why. Mm-hmm. So to, to be upfront, the burial crew, they were Hispanic. Mm-hmm. And as they were digging, the guy, the neighbor, he starts yelling at, I guess, the the manager of the crew. Chief, the, the chief. The, yeah, the, or, yeah. The leader of the yeah. burial crew. And he goes, you are on my property, motherfucker. And the guy goes, I don't know who you're yelling out. At, I'm not. I've not been on your property, and I told the guy. And at that point, I say, they just got here. The guy who was on your property was the guy who fixed the line. Mm-hmm. These guys are here to bury it. They're not even burying it on your property. They're digging my property to bury it. Yeah, they have not been on your property. And he just kept yelling at him. And out of nowhere, he goes, "Yeah, come over to my property, and it'll be adios, motherfucker." <laughs> And at this point, everybody's like, whoa, racist whoa, piece yeah. of shit. What, what the hell? Wasn't What's wrong? He, I think from like the video that you all got of this. Oh, like, Nat got video. Yeah, Nat got, Nat got video. Is that like when the crew chief would try to speak up, he'd start yelling at him in like random Spanish words. Yeah. yeah. Like he he was, I mean, it was racist. Yeah. And he even, even the, uh, I wish I would have got the gentleman's name. I apologize. But shout out to him. Like he was the MVP of the day. He's mm-hmm. the only reason I kept sanity. He was super cool about everything. I apologize profusely. He says, no, don't worry about it. We It happens all the time. In which pissed me off even more because yeah. I'm like, you're used to this? What the fuck? So he's yelling at him. He's calling him motherfucker. He's saying, were you on my property? Are you on my property? And he's like, no, I just got here. I don't know why you're yelling at me. Yeah. So at this point, I go in the front of the house and I go to the guy who actually was on his property. Mm-hmm. The guy <laughs> who connected is, the line. This is the part I was talking about. kind of funny. It's so at this and, and you could you could tell he heard everything he's yeah. on the side of the house it's not like he left mm-hmm. and i go up to him like hey man he he wants to talk to you i don't know what happened and he goes i'm not going back there <laughs> and he was kind of a pudgy white dude yeah and he kind of had a growly voice and he's yeah. like i'm not no i'm not doing that <laughs> and i'm like what the fuck that was a good idea on his part though it was a good uh, idea well i mean part. i'm assuming yeah. from you know a tech if you hear someone yelling, mm-hmm. being aggressive, being racist, right, that you're like, I'm not going to be a part of that. So I go around and he's still yelling, like he's in a screen. I mean, the 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 digger, uh, he was not yelling, but he was standing his ground. Yeah. He was like, you can yell at me all you want, dude. I wasn't on your property. And at this point, he goes, I need to talk to this guy because he was on my property and he left my gate open, which could have let my chickens let out. And I'm sitting there, and I and the only thing I say is, he just said he's not coming back here. Right. I, Natalie, told you that they were coming. Mm-hmm. We left a note letting you know they were coming. Mm-hmm. What is your problem? And he just kept on saying, people always get on my property and stuff. I'm like, I don't care. What else can we do yeah. to alleviate this? And he's like, this isn't about you. This is about them. And he points at the digger and yeah. I'm like, he just fucking got here. I don't like, I thought it was funny where like he was yelling at him why he was on his property. He w- witnessed everything that the digger did. Yeah. None of it had to do with his property. Right. So I don't know where he got the idea that this guy was ever on his property because he wasn't. <clears throat> he he found the Hispanic guy and was blaming him because if I remember from the video you all took, he was also like, you people in this country and... I, that I don't remember. I know okay. I remember okay. that. <laughs> I, I know I remember that Natalie was, I will say, 
Don't fuck with a nurse. No, I have learned that. You, I've known many nurses in my life. I would not fuck with a one of them. Right. And so at this point, Natalie is yelling at the guy. Just, I mean, and I'm like, holy shit, I've never <clears throat> seen this mad. And I'm basically in my very frail voice. I'm like, please, what the fuck do you want us to do? Yeah. There, what else can we do? And she's yelling at him, and she's like, "This is great. That welcome to f- welcome to this fucking part of town, I guess." And at this point, a younger woman—don't know if it was his daughter or whoever—she pokes her head out mm-hmm. and starts recording on her phone. Natalie waves at her, and the girl flips her off. <laughs> and then the neighbor says, "Well, honey, don't do that. They haven't done anything to us." And the whole time, I'm saying. You're doing stuff to us. Right. You're like, what is your problem? Like, this is my livelihood. We just moved in. I think it was two days after we moved in. Yeah, it was. We moved. We moved on a Saturday. This was a Monday. Monday. Yeah. 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 And so he says, I'm going to cut the line. And we're like, I'm almost begging him. I'm like, Mm -hmm. dude, we left you a note. My girlfriend spoke to you. We promise these guys have not been on our property. The guy who was on your property, I can't control. He's at the front of the house. Mm-hmm. And he says, give me his name and his number. And I'm like, call the internet provider? I don't have his name and number. Right. So so I look on the front at the front of the house. The tech who replaced the line, he's gone. Yeah. He Understandably. left. Understandably. He left. And so I go, I'm like, he's gone, dude. I don't know what else to tell you. Mm-hmm. The only person who was on your property today that we know of who was, by the way, he was on his property for less than two minutes. Mm-hmm. He's gone. He goes, sorry, bud. Sorry about this. And as they're di- like, they're all, they're actually done burying the line. Mm-hmm. He cuts it. <laughs> so he pulled it out of the ground and cut it. Well, it's, I, I don't know. Cause I can't see his side of the okay. property, but I'm assuming it, it, the burial that they did, it mm-hmm. goes into the ground. And then on his property, it comes out of the ground into a junction box. Oh, okay. So he cut it from the junction box. Wow. And so, that was, I, I Natalie lost it. Yeah. Like, I'm we're sure. just like, dude, what the fuck? Like, I, I, I could sympathize if you've had people on your property in the past. I can't control that. I'm trying to do everything that I can to be a good neighbor, mm-hmm. letting you know what's going on, verifying that who and who isn't on your property. I mean, you got a problem with, with the internet guy called the provider and said, I need to know who serviced this address today. They left my gate open. Well, you know, knowing his name, knowing his number, yelling at him does not solve the problem. You know what solves that problem? Hmm. Shutting the fucking gate. Right? Yeah. Just shut the gate. It's right. done. It's right. done. There is no need for you know whatever he is doing. Didn't he? Wasn't he like threatening them? Like if you come over here, I got something. For oh you. Yeah, he, yeah, he he was like, oh come over here, motherfucker. We'll see what's what. And I was like, no one's. And I think the guy was like, no one's gonna come over there. What's wrong with you? <laughs> and it was pretty funny. I mean, I wasn't laughing at the time, but everybody was. It was it was probably one of the most tense situations I've ever seen wow. in in my life. Right. It was it was insane and. I apologized to the diggers and they were like, and they called somebody and they said, dude, this guy's being racist. He's yelling at us. He's threatening us. What do we do? He cut the Mm -hmm. line. Basically the leader of the digging crew, he basically said, uh, there's nothing we can do right now, but you can actually call a sheriff and Mm -hmm. escort a tech onto his property to verify that it gets done. But in my head, I'm thinking, 
okay. And then that night, he cuts, he the, cuts line. the line again. Well, in that case, uh, that's not his property. He is vandalizing other people's property. He he could get he can get fined for this. Yeah, yes. he can get fined. Yes. Like he because technically he should have gotten fined twice because he cut the line twice. If back in the day they used to have cable boxes, I don't know if they still do, but if you had a cable box and you weren't paying your bill, they would send the sheriff to pick it up. Right. Yeah. So. I will say the big, MV- like I said, the MVP was uh, the leader of the digging mm-hmm. crew. So we're really disheartened. I'm I'm thinking about alternate, like, do I got to go over to a friend's house to work because mm-hmm. they have the internet? I got to work soon. What the fuck? So we're, he leaves. He's gone. He just goes inside of his house and that's it. We haven't spoken to him since. I haven't seen him. Good. Um, Good. And so we're really disheartened. We walk inside the house. We're like, well, what the fuck are we going to do? Out of nowhere, we hear a knocking on the wind on the door. It's the digging crew and I all props to them for real. Uh, the leader said, Hey, I'm not supposed to tell you this because I work for this company, mm-hmm. but one of our competitors has a junction box on the front of your lawn <laughs> to where you don't need to go into a neighbor's yeah. yard to get service. You should probably switch to them. No, I think Natalie told us that they said that no one in your area has the other one. Uh, the one that I that we tried to you connect to, went with, yeah. the one that I already had an account with, mm-hmm. like, yeah. Well, they said, I think the guy who installed the line said, someone else is connected to this. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if it's just that dude yeah, or maybe another neighbor, mm-hmm. but he, he said in his rant that he's had issues all through his life. So basically, he's a fucking idiot that yeah, doesn't understand of a utility line, so probably multiple neighbors through the years have tried to have internet through this provider mm-hmm. and he's fucked them up. Yeah. Didn't he say he's cut the line like four or five times? Yeah. He, he I mean, us it's twice. Yeah. But, I mean, I was dumbfounded. I was like, do you not understand utility lines? Like, yeah. I don't know, dude, but luckily with basically we called the competitor who have a connection um, on our property. And we basically said, we work from home. This needs to get taken care of ASAP. If you can get us as soon as possible to get connected, you'll have our business. Mm-hmm. And we're connected. Nice. Well, we're good. We're set up. Unfortunately, he's behind you, so you never have to actually deal with this guy. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's dude. And we're not even talking about the fact that before we moved, when we were unpacking or we were packing stuff up and mm-hmm. we were setting stuff up to move, mm-hmm. someone stole our lawnmower. <laughs> so we've had internet cut twice by a racist piece of shit neighbor. Yeah. We've had a lawnmower stolen. Uh, we couldn't get a washer and dryer, but the luckily the previous owner left theirs, and the washer doesn't, doesn't work. work. Yeah, so well, it's just been one thing after another. Oh, and and that was dude. that was the same week that the new Vans came out. We both wear Vans. Yes, shoes. Uh, they have a horror line of Warner Brother properties, like <laughs> um, like Friday the Thirteenth and mm-hmm. Van Elm Street and The Exorcist, whatever, and. <laughs> They canceled your order, then sent you the wrong size. Well, they canceled. So I ordered the Friday 13th shoe mm-hmm. and the Exorcist. Yeah. It went through. They charged my card. They said it was ready to ship. They said that it shipped. And then afterwards, they sent me an email saying, oh, well, in the package is not the Friday 13th shoe because it's out of stock. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know how I got all the way to confirming an order. And then they tell me after that the order was ready that they're out of stock. Right. And then 
I I usually wear skater shoes and I wear between a nine and nine and a half. So I got nine and a half, mm-hmm. and it was the extra shoes were too big. Oh, so basically I went from getting two shoes to none. None. Well, so fuck it. I don't care anymore. I'm we, done. We got up early that morning. Well, early that morning it was like eleven o'clock when the mall opened. We went to see if, what shoes they had in stock. Right, and they did not have the Exorcist shoes, which was what I wanted. Yeah, um, I kind of wanted the Freddy shoes, but they didn't have it in my size. Hmm. So I was like, if I'm going to get anything, it's going to be these Exorcist shoes. That's really cool. It has the poster yeah. of Father Marin looking up the window, the, the iconic shot from right. the movie. And um, so they said, hey, if you order them here at the store, we can send them to your home, free shipping. They'll get to your home quicker than if you just did it online. I'm like, all right, fuck us up. Let's right. do it. And so we order the shoes. On the way home, my dear lady wife, Grace, gets an email. And instead of being exorcist shoes in my size, they are women's it slip-on shoes half of my size. <laughs> we're like, how did this happen? How could this possibly happen? So we went ahead and uh, ordered the shoes again. And we got them to our home on Monday, after ordering them on, off the internet, not at the store on right. Monday, and the shoes that were supposedly ordered at the store, these it women's shoes, did not reach our home till Thursday. Oh wow! <laughs> and they, they they should have been the ones that were there on uh, Monday. Yeah. So yeah, that was a that was a mess. But I yeah, I'm I'm done. I don't want any because I know that even if I did get those Friday Thirteen shoes, yeah. they probably were too big. Yeah, I'm so sorry about fuck that. Fuck it. Whatever. But man, you came over to my house that night and you were dour. It's kind of funny that you mentioned that because in the previous podcast when we talked about collection completed, mm-hmm. when in the beginning, before the character turns to a piece of shit, he's just tired. Yeah. Like he's just tired of so many L's that he's taking. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, I'll be real. I mean, there was a moment. A couple, maybe four or five nights ago, where we're laying in bed and Natalie, we're talking about all the stuff we got to do. And yeah. This was right after the internet was cut and we lost the lawnmower was stolen. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I just want to win. Yeah. Like, I don't care if it's tiny. I just want a W. Yeah. Like, I'm really tired right now. Yeah. And I'm sure everyone's been like that. Oh, yeah. We felt like everyone has been there. Yeah. We've right. all been there where it's just like you can't seem to catch a break. Man, like something we, goes wrong. You you, uh, you all came over that night, and we all had sushi, and the girls were doing arts and crafts, whatever. Right. And through my Marvel class, I have discovered that I love the character Thor. Oh yeah, absolutely love Thor. I've been re, re I've been reading it from the start, right? Yes. Going through and reading it from the start, and so we were like, hey, let's watch Ragnarok. Cause I had never seen Ragnarok because it's a good flick. I did not like Thor. I was like, Thor is just this boring character, right? right. But now I love him. And you did not crack a smile the entire time through that movie. <laughs> it's a good movie. I enjoyed watching yeah. it. I loved it. It was great. Loved I loved it. It's probably like a sixth or seventh ever. time watching it. Yeah. So, but that has been my journey. I'm, I'm, I love the house. I love the neighborhood. I'm so glad to be moving next to friends. I just can't wait until this nightmare is over. Yeah. And everything's taken care of. So your incident with the racist, terrible neighbor reminded me of a story that I read in EC Comics. Yes, called Hate. Yes. Now we're actually, actually that's the comic we're going to talk about. That's what that this incident with your neighbor inspired us right. to talk about this comic. Um, now I want to be clear that 
and I'm not trying to do like uh, misery Olympics or anything like that. Uh, and I think you'll agree with me here that what you experienced while horribly frustrating was nothing like what we're going to talk about. The comic, oh yeah. Right? We're not, we're not trying sure. to compare the experiences. It's just, Hey, this reminded me of that. And it's a good, this provides us a jumping off point to talk about this great comic. Right. right. An important comic. And a very important comic. Um, and, and one thing I do want to make uh, clear, too, here is that we're going to be talking about issues of bigotry here with this comic in that we are two white dudes who yes. pretty much grew up in the suburbs. Um, right. I, I'm kind of rural. Like yeah, rural. rural Kentucky. So uh, that being said, we have not necessarily had these experiences that right. we might talk about in, in this uh, comic. Uh, so we are going to do our best to treat this with the respect that it deserves. And if we stumble along the way, it is completely unintentional and we don't mean to offend any, any sort of way if we do stumble. And it, the subject matter is heavy. Yeah, it, it is very heavy. It's very heavy. So we're going to talk about hate, which was a comic in uh, shock suspense stories. Number five shock suspense stories was their crime outlet. For EC Comics. Right. It's, now, in, in throughout the course of all these comics, there's kind of there's a lot of crossover. You'd find different types of stories in different types of comics. Uh, there might be horror stories in shock suspense stories or crime suspense stories. There might be crime stories in, like, Vault of Horror. In mm-hmm. fact, I think most of the stories we have covered really have just been crime stories. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, they yeah. haven't been what you traditionally think of horror um, like there hasn't been like monsters or many supernatural elements to them True. so far. Right. So far. It's mostly murder. Mostly murder. Um, so do you want, want me to jump into this? Read the synopsis for hate. Let's do it. All right. This was written by uh, Al Feldstein and I, I forgot to put it in the notes. I'm sorry. Uh, Al Feldstein and Bill Gaines with art by Wally Wood. Yes. John Smith and his friends cannot tolerate that the Golds, a Jewish family are moving into their middle American neighborhood. They subject the Golds to a campaign of violence and terror. This culminates in the firebombing of the Golds' home, killing the entire family. Later that night, John Smith discovers his own Jewish heritage. Soon after, he is subjected to the same campaign of terror and violence he inflicted on the Golds. Oof, yeah, so uh, we know, uh, like I always say, we know uh, Al Feldstein and Bill Gaines. Yep. Uh, then, uh, Wally Wood. I, I got a special place in my heart yeah. for Wally Wood. So for, for those who don't know, most of my friends do. Yeah. I am a diehard fan of Daredevil. Mm-hmm. I have every comic ever written, action figures, statues. That's probably like the weirdest collection that I own. Aren't you, aren't you contemplating applying to the Guinness Book of World Records for the largest Daredevil collection? I am. Yes. I am. Um, I actually did submit once. Okay. And I they got a weird response where they said, like, it, the amount wasn't substantial enough, <laughs> which I was weird because I was like, I literally have Daredevil air freshener and Daredevil <laughs> playing cards. And I don't know. It's weird. But I have a very special place in my heart for Daredevil and the characters. And Wally Wood was an artist, I think... Very early. Early 60s. I'm sorry, late 60s, early 70s. And basically, the classic Silver Age version of Daredevil mm-hmm. was Wally Wood's art. He is probably the most influential artist that we will talk about, I think. He's the biggest name. Yeah, yeah. And as far as his influence on the industry cannot be overstated. 
Oh yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, so he, uh, like I said, was most one of the most influential people in the in the fifties. He was an EC guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually, you know, I made a mistake. It wasn't Gasly that convinced him to work on sci-fi stories. It was him. It was oh, Hollywood. Okay. Um, and after the the bottom fell out of the industry, the horror industry, he transitioned to uh, DC and Marvel. Worked on a lot of characters for both of them. Uh, at one time, he was the highest paid dude in comics. Wow. I didn't uh, know when that. he was working for Mad, he got $200 an issue. That's a lot. By comparison, the going rate for Marvel, Marvel at the time was 20 bucks. Damn. So he was basically making $2,000 in modern day money uh, wow. for uh, Paige at, uh, when he's working on Mad. Wow, that's crazy. Um, He did this thing. uh, It's a famous work of art. Oh, well. Oh, man. That word's doing a lot of heavy lifting there. Uh, (laughs) And he was the anonymous artist on a poster called the Disneyland Orgy. What? It was done for a magazine. It was was like a, a version of Mad that was more for adults called The Realist. And he did this uh, spread for them. That was all these Disney characters having an orgy. And in the background is the um, Magic Kingdom castle with dollar signs just like flying from it. Right. <laughs> I'll show you this sometime. But and uh, he's now known as the the guy who did it. Right. Although he pretty much denied it until the day he died that he was the one who did it. Um, uh, let me see if I have my phone here. Uh, I'll show you real quick. Uh, this is not something I can put on the feed, but if you all go out there and look <laughs> at it. Yeah. And it's confirmed he did it? Uh, y- Yeah, more or less. Yeah. You cannot describe anything that's happening in this. I mean, I can't. No, 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 no. I mean, you can describe it. it you are more than capable of describing it. I don't think, don't think you should describe it on air. The dwarfs are putting in that work. Yes, they are. Oh, my God. I've never seen that. I've never even heard of this. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh my god, that's fucked up. <laughs> that's fucked up. So fucked yeah, I remember like being in high school and seeing a poster of that for sale at Spencer's or a store like that, right? Whoa, right. Um, but the most important thing he ever did, he create he created a thing called Wally Woods twenty two panels that always work. Do you know about this? I've heard of it. It's like a, a storytelling theory. It's a it's a storytelling, not, not a theory, like theory but like that, a method or a technique. Right, yeah, yeah. Basically, uh, a way to keep the audience interested and make a visually interesting comic when not much action is happening. So say like uh, you have two people sitting in a car having right. a conversation right. uh, across a page. Uh, so what he might do to keep it visually interesting is that he might have a panel outside the car, right? Looking down the car, just the, just the car by itself, tiny. Then it might cut in and have a shot where it looks like it's behind the two people in the car speaking, but they're like, you're looking out the window with them and their faces are lighted a particular way. Then it might cut to where you're seeing the back of one person's head while they're talking while they're looking at the other person. Right. Those, those kind of things. Different um, shots. He came up with this, and then sometime in the late 70s, Larry Hama saw, saw it, mm-hmm. and he made photocopies of it and handed it out to everyone at Marvel when he was editor-in-chief. Oh, wow. And then they handed it out to their friends. And it became a thing. It became to where everyone in the comics industry was using these techniques. Wow. So 
massive, massive influence on the oh, comic book yeah. industry. He's a big name. Big, big name. I hate to do this, but once again, we have another tragic story yes. about an artist. He had a lot of health problems throughout his life, uh, inexplicable headaches that they could never solve. They could never figure out where they were coming from. So it sounds like he self-medicated with alcohol. And his colleagues said that he seemed really troubled. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a Hemingway quote where he said, uh, writing is simple. You just sit down at a typewriter and bleed. And he seems to have followed this philosophy with his art. Like he left everything on the page right. in ink. And eventually he uh, had a stroke and went blind in one of his eyes mm-hmm. and shot himself. I think he shot, he committed suicide. I don't know if he shot himself, but he committed suicide in like 81. Right. Wow. Um, and he reflecting on his career right before his death, he said, if I had to do it all over again, I would chop off my hands. Damn. Yeah. He, uh, he loved the medium and he loved it to death. That's the best way to put it. Wow. Yeah. So I I hope one day we can have a happy story about one of the artists. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Bill Gaines. Yeah. I mean, he he did great. Yeah. They did great. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, shout out to Wally Wood, RIP. Yeah. Love your work on Daredevil and EC. Yeah, man. So, from this, one note to another. Man, this comic. It's heavy. It's very heavy. Like, the first thing you see of the issue, the first thing you see on the page is a lynching. Yeah. There is what you see is a man hung in a tree. It appears to be a white man. And we'll get, we'll get back to this in a second. And there are people on looking with, guns and gasoline yes um now i say he appears to be a white man uh but in our society whiteness is fluid you are white until you're not uh race is very much a social construct you know we can we it sounds a bit counterintuitive because you could look at someone and say oh well they're that race this race right. and that race but throughout our history uh who gets to be white or not is something that often changes uh, like for instance, Italians and Irish in the late 1800s and early 1900s were not white. Right. They were Irish. They were Italian. Um, Jewish immigrants from Eastern Europe, they were often not seen as white. Right. And, and they were seen as Jewish. They're not white people. They're Jewish. Right. A lot of that has changed. And we, that is something that we see throughout this comic that yes. the character involved, their whiteness is only temporary. Uh, so do you want to, I have a theory about this cover too. Once we get into the story. Um, let me see if I remember. Oh, I don't think this is something you would pick up on. This is just a theory that I had after reading the issue and seeing the cover. Oh, okay. Yeah. So do you want to go into the breakdown? Let's do it. Yeah. <clears throat> the opening panel is a group of men watching as a couple are moving in across the street. There's a note tacked to their front door. It says, don't move in, Jew. You'll be sorry. The narrator then tells that you, the reader, are John Smith. Your name is John Smith. A good American name. You're watching the couple across the street read the note. You and your neighbors have left that note for them. The couple go inside, and the movers bring the furniture in with them. Ed... John's friend says, oh, they're not, they're still moving the furniture in. Now they're going to get it. The narrator says, 
the narrator says, when did you become infected with the disease called hate? John's wife says, they seem nice. Maybe they'll be all right. In which John says, they're Jews. They're no good. She then, she then says that she found out their names, Dave and Ethel Gold. Your friend, Ed, says, let's run them out since they won't leave because of the note. John says, you mean use force? Ed says, if we don't, more will start coming in. John replies, no telling what will happen to the real estate values. Maybe you're right, Ed. John and his friends wait for the Jewish man, Dave Gold, to walk into a dark sidewalk in an alley, near an alley, to beat him up. As they beat him up, words are spoken to him saying, maybe you'll get the idea, Jew, and move, blast you. Later, when John comes home, his wife asks what he was doing, and he said, we took care of him. But the neighbor doesn't move. He takes a different train to work than you do now. He goes to the opposite sidewalk when he sees you. Ed says, let's burn him out. John says, you mean set fire to their house? Later, John's wife tells him that his mom is visiting. John says, go and get her without me. I've got something to do tonight. Later, with the boys, Ed says, I brought the gasoline. The house then is quickly consumed by flames, but no one leaves the house. They notice that in the windows that the couple are trapped on the second floor. The window opens and the couple, couple jump out of the house full of flames and they land smacking with a wet thud onto the pavement. An ambulance arrives in which the ambulance doctor announces that they are both dead. At home, John's wife said, you killed them. And John replies, it was an accident. I only wanted to scare them. Wife says, but why? John replies, don't go soft. They were Jews. They're no good. At the same time, John's mother walks in and says, is that my son talking? I'm ashamed of you. At the same time, Ed walks in, who helped you. But when I say you, that's yeah. the comic you, you, the comic implies that the reader is John Smith. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The mom says, I'm ashamed of you. Your friend Ed walks in and says, the cops are snooping around. Your mom says, did he help you kill them? And John says, mom, please, Ed, this is my mother. She says, I'm not your real mother. Ed says, well, I better go. <laughs> <clears throat> Slammy fuck. And mom says, no, you should stay and listen. My husband was a doctor. One night there was an accident. A man died and his pregnant wife was injured. My husband delivered the baby before she died. We took that baby in. You are that you were that baby. You were adopted and your real parents are Jewish. John crumbles to the floor and says, "Oh Lord, what have I done?" And Ed, your friend says, "I better be going." John can't sleep that night as he sees the burning bodies falling repeatedly over and over in his head, in which he says, Lord, forgive me. Now all of John's friends don't talk to him anymore. In one panel, a friend walks past John, in which John says, but we've known each other for 10 years. Another panel, 
Another friend walks away and John says, is there anything different about me? Later on, John's son is beaten up at school. When his dad is taking care of him, the child says, they called me a Jew boy. Then John walks out the front door and there's a note left tacked on their door and it says, move Jew. John tells Ed, can't you see how wrong we've been? In which he says, scram Jew. Later, John gets attacked in a dark alley, just like Dave Gold, in which the narrator says, the beating is painful, isn't it? Is this your punishment? Can we learn to love instead of learning to hate? You're learning now. The kicking and swearing will teach you. But what of the others? When will they learn? So this has been something that was very personal. That was rough, by the yeah, way. It's very rough. That's very rough. Um, Hopefully, I there, did it justice. It, it, what strikes me about this too is that there is no justice for the characters involved. No, right? and I mean, I mean, you could say uh, that John Smith is getting justice. He is reaping uh, the hate that he sowed, but I don't see it that way. He is he's now become a victim as well. Um, this is not this is not comeuppance. This is no, this is I don't think so. Um, the- um, but I was just going to say, this is something very personal to Al Feldstein and Bill Gaines, being that they were Jews that grew up in America during a very anti-Semitic time. Right. In, in, especially after World War II. One thing I wanted to point out, though, and I think the guy on the cover is John Smith. I think he's the guy who's been lynched. Oh, wow. Because there's two panels here. When they show him getting beat up and then when they show him getting kicked, he's being restrained in one panel. His shirt, his jacket is brown. It's different color in the next panel. It's blue. Right. But in this panel, in this in this first panel, it is, it's brown. The person on the cover who's been lynched and hung, he's wearing a brown jacket. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I think this is his ultimate fate. I have nothing to prove that. Wow. It's just, you know, my theory. Um it remind one thing that struck me a lot about this. There's no place setting for this. It's just a uh, small town USA. Small town USA, and I think that was intentional because there is another story, a kind of a similar story to this called uh, guilt, and I don't remember which issue of, uh, that guilt was published in. But I think it was also a shock suspense story. Maybe I have it in my notes here. Um, no, I don't think. Oh, it was number three, number three. So like, and that was also uh, done by Wally Wood, oh, wow. uh, where that involves uh, another incident of racial violence where a black man is accused of a crime that he didn't commit. And eventually the sheriff of the town drives him out in the middle of nowhere and says, okay, run. This is your chance to get away. Go. I'm letting you loose. And when he starts running, he shoots him in the back. And he tells everyone, well, he was trying to get away. He made it, he, he made, he tried to make an escape. But you find out that the person who accused him of the murder is actually the one who did it. A white guy is the one who did it. Oh, right? wow. In that case, too, there's no justice. That's just where it ends. Is, oh, the guy who accused him claimed to be a witness to the murder. He's the one who actually it, committed the crime. Is it the storyteller's showing us that there is no justice in certain situations in real life. But one of the things they point out in that story is that this is any town USA that this happens in. Oftentimes you see things like this. um, They'll just have the the setting be the South 
they're showing that this happens all over well, America. If, if, if I remember correctly, every shot, every, every environment that they that they has been drawn mm-hmm. is a generic middle class neighborhood. Exactly, generic middle class um, street. There is a uh, a quote from Malcolm X that says, kind of addressing the same thing, like stop talking about the South. If you're anywhere below the Canadian border, you're in the South. It was just funny because I, I looked up that quote just to make sure I got got it was getting it right and I got the um, author of it right. And I found it on this page that sells inspirational posters. So I had that quote on like a seashore. No. A majestic mountain. Yeah. Oh my God. Wow. Um, but yeah, I think they really wanted to address the fact that this could happen anywhere in America. Yes. And it's funny because I was doing research behind for this and to drive home the fact that this is anywhere not just not the South, but anywhere in America is that this happened or this comic hate was published this just one year, almost to the date of the Cicero riots in Chicago. Have you ever heard of these? I've heard the name. Okay. I don't know the, the you, you heard the name recently because they mentioned them in Candyman, the new Candyman. Oh, right. Yeah, right. Uh, except in that version, they tell someone died. In real life, I do not believe anyone died. But what happened was, and this is almost jarring one for one, uh, there was a black veteran that was moving into an apartment complex in Chicago, and people were upset that a black man was moving into this white neighborhood. When he he got the apartment, there was some trouble over him just even getting the apartment. Yeah. Uh, When it came time to move in, when he was moving his furniture in, four fucking thousand people showed up to stop him. From moving into the furniture. Whoa. And so it led to this uh, massive riot. And the police were unable to control it. Or were unwilling to control it. And they called in the National Guard to finally get some calm. Right. They ended up doing $20,000 in 1951 money to the, the building That's where this lot. happened. Um, but what happened eventually there was a grand jury investigation into the events. None of the people, none of the rioters who were arrested were charged with any crimes. Oh, damn. Who was charged was the owner of the building, her lawyer, and a lawyer for the NCAACP. Because the grand jury claimed there was a quote-unquote, and I apologize for this, a quote-unquote Negro conspiracy to start the riot. Oh, wow. But what happened was, this is one of the first, and this might have been why... This story was published a year later. It was one of the first ever big events on television. So what happened was instead of reading about it the next day in the newspapers, people saw what was actually happening on TV. That was big at the time. That was big. They could not lie in the papers the next day and say, well, black people are doing this, black people are doing that. They saw that it was white people rioting. Right. And those charges brought widespread widespread combination throughout the world. Wow. And they were dropped because of that, because of the power of television. People actually seeing what was happening for the first time. So yeah, that and and just, I, I don't think it can be a coincidence that this story came out just one year later. Yeah. Yeah. What is that's powerful stuff. 
I I knew about this story. We've talked about it before. Mm-hmm. We know that it's a very important, and it actually should be more widely known to the comic community. Yeah, how important some of these older stories are. But one thing I didn't know is the narrator says that you, the reader, are John Smith. Yes, that you are the one filled with hate. Yes, and I wanted to get your thoughts on that because. It made me think like, oh shit, the writer of this story is pointing it at you. Yes. Putting it in your face. Very intentional. Very intentional. And it's very, it's, it's, I keep saying the word, but it's heavy. I saw an article while I was doing research for this that says stories like this and guilt. And there's another one too. I can't remember. These may have been what actually caused or the yeah this is what actually caused congress to go after ec comics in the comics industry um is too real too real so it was kind of a like a confluence of events so they did not like that comics like this were being published uh in fact kind of to piggyback off that idea there i'm sure you've seen there's a there's a famous poster an anti-racism poster that dc put out in the 50s of superman saying He's talking to kids and he's saying, hey, discriminating, discriminating against people because of their race, their national origin, their religion is un-American. Right? Yeah. There were politicians who at the time were like, Superman is communist for saying this. <laughs> right. The, the, the idea they put in the article was that there were, there were people who did not like the tolerance message that was being put out by comics such as EC at the time. Mm-hmm. So when Frederick Wortham came along saying Comics are corrupting our youth. Um, comics are causing juvenile delinquency. Comics, and in fact, it was weird here because one of Wortham's arguments that were comics were racist, and he pointed like what what they called jungle comics at the time. Right for the the movers and shakers in Congress that wanted to get comics banned, they were to latch onto that. I think when it came time to start banning comics, they found a way. Like, okay, these comics are for them. Yes, the comics were corrupting the youth by making them tolerant. Right. Of other races and religions. And so when it came time, there was just something to latch on to. Yeah. They were, hey, they, they, they could exploit this opportunity. To and it was them. also easy to go, oh, look, they're horror comics. Yes. Which will get exactly mom and pop terrified. Exactly. And it was also just so happens to be the company that made you think. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So exactly. you could shut them all two birds with one stone. Right. And you see this later on because they used the comics code to shut down depictions of black people. Yeah. Uh, and any like depictions of racial um, intolerance. Right. right. I mean, and when I'm, when I say depictions of racial intolerance, I mean like as casting it in a bad light. Yes. Right. If I find it again, I will post it in the show notes that their idea is that the, that it was this comic that helped get comics horror comics banned. It, they used foul play. They used that cover because those were lurid. They couldn't. Right. Come, they couldn't. It was easy out. bait. It was easy bait. They couldn't come out and say we're banning these comics because they're teaching tolerance. Right. But that was what they were actually going after. I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. I think that Al Feldstein and Bill Gaines, they have probably seen injustice in their lives. Oh, of course. And I, mean, I think I mean, this was. This was six years after the end of World War II. Oh, yeah. They saw and, and, what would happen. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm just unchecked. saying that 
in my opinion, the way the the choice mm-hmm. for the narrator to so boldly tell the reader that they're full of hate yeah. and, and, and put it in their face, I think was their way of saying what they've always wanted to say mm-hmm. and put it in a way that was right in your face. They, they, they were telling people to examine what's inside of their hearts and, right. and you know, in the, uh, the modern parlance, check your privilege, right? Yeah. 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 This is, was this one of the first woke comics? Oh, absolutely. I think in horror has always been, I think a medium for that. Yeah. Right. Uh, to look at the maybe uglier side of society and talk about what we fear in, in the case of, of Bill Gaines and Al Feldstein and the art, the other artists at the time that you see, this is one of their fears. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's still happening. Oh, yeah. right. Like uh, Charlottesville in 2017, yeah. that was an anti-Semitic riot. Mm-hmm. They were marching saying Jews will not replace us. Which is this idea that Jews are behind immigration and they're doing it to destroy white people. Right. Um, and it's called the great replacement theory. And then you have people like Tucker Carlson getting on Fox news every night and promoting the great replacement theory. There was a, there was actually, there was also a movie that came out recently called Roe versus Wade, which <laughs> was a retelling of the Roe versus Wade case that uh, legalized abortion in, in the U S yeah. and it has a bunch of right-wing talking heads playing different roles of like these characters. And they all, but say in the beginning, this is the fault of Jews. Oh shit. Yeah. God damn. <laughs> wow. So yeah. Wow. I'm not sure. Oh God, I hope I hit record on this. Okay, good. <laughs> oh my God. I that's it, it's an unpleasant story to yeah. re, to do a deep dive in. Uh, I hope you hit record. Oh yeah, absolutely. We were we're an hour into this. Oh, okay. It doesn't feel like an hour either. Yeah. yeah. Um so with that, to kind of bring it back up on a lighter note, I guess. Yeah. I mean, this is it's a very heavy subject matter. Obviously. But we definitely, I, I love the story. Mm-hmm. I think it's really good. It's important. Very important. Um, the art is really good. But to me, the meat of it is the narration. Mm-hmm. Because it's in your face. Mm-hmm. It, it does not bullshit anything. Yeah. So I think that it's needed. And it was really good. I, I like the fact that it does not flinch or is not apologetic for its message. No candy coating. It, it, it's at funny all. because I heard that criticism of the new Candyman movie. Like, oh, it's too in your face. We it, it's it's very much That's not movie. in your face. This is in your and, face. And I feel I, I do kind of agree in a good way. I do kind of agree that it is a bit in your face and that it does use a hammer to get its message across. But I think that sometimes that is needed because people have still not got this fucking message across. Right. So you have to hammer it into their fucking heads. Yes. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> sometimes a message needs to be used. You need to use a hammer. Yeah. Absolutely. That message. So with that, this was kind of our little segue. Between segue between seasons. Seasons. Yeah. Where we kind of talked about my wonderful journey moving. <laughs> and then a more important, uh, this message of, I like the idea of examining stories in EC's history mm-hmm. that were not made into an episode. Cause I think yeah. there are really important ones. Yeah. And this is one of them. 
We're and definitely going to do this again sometime. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I, I think that's really good. And then um, it'll just be more of us just like bullshitting and talking and mm-hmm. then also doing deep dives into yeah. more of the comic side of it. But very excited that we will be starting season two. Next time, yes. Next time. It's going to be very awesome. So, yeah, we're going to be covering Dead Rights, which Dead is the first episode of season two. Right. And based on a story of the same name in Shock Suspense Story number six, which is funny because that, that's the comic that follows the one we just discussed. Yes. Yeah. So, the, the Hate was in uh, Shock Suspense Stories number five from November 1952. The next podcast we record will be covering Dead Rights, which is from number six. Yes. From December 1952. Yes. Isn't it crazy that the stories that we're covering, they're all from the 50s? They are, yeah. It and just you know, blows my mind. It, it, it's because it feels like a long time ago, but right. it's not that long ago. But right, good storytelling is timeless. Yes, yes. I mean, like um, one of the um, little girls that was walked into school in Little Rock, Arkansas by the National Guard after schools were desegregated. Yeah. She's the same age as my parents now, right? So uh, this was not that long ago. Right. This is all within right. living memory. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. The more things change, right? <laughs> right. Long way to go still. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, thank you so much to everybody for listening. And thank and- you for tolerating this aside. I hope you enjoyed it <laughs> and I hope you found it informative and uh, entertaining. Yes, absolutely. And where can they find you? They can find me on Twitter at Mr. Spooky Bruce. And you can find me on Twitter at Horror Ryan. And our podcast has an uh, Instagram and Twitter account. Yeah, what are those? Because I can never remember. (laughs) At Crypt Keepers Pod. Oh, yeah, that's it. Yes. And we have an email address, which is Cryptkeeper Show. We should have discussed that more before we came up with two different things for the Twitter <laughs> the email. But that's well, I'm sure is. you can change one of them. Uh, we've already, you know what? We've already done. This is I don't know how many episodes. <laughs> right, uh, seven <laughs> or eight. It is sure. Math is hard. Well, I will say, um, just what we love about the show is like I said, it's a passion project. We Mm -hmm. both really love this stuff. We're doing deep dives and we're having a great time doing it, but send us your suggestions. Yeah. Is there a story that you think is important that we do a deep dive into? Is there something you want anything answered or any suggestions or complaints? Tell us the fuck off. I don't know, (laughs) but thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, see you soon. Kitties. You've been listening to Spooky Bruce and Horror Ryan on the Crypt Keepers Podcast. <laughs>